0: hello everyone and welcome to this week's topic of the week my name is alec and we have here joshua cheatham um in this week's uh topic of the week we're going to be discussing nato's lack of inner unity i want to be very careful on how i word that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because i don't want to say lack of unity on issues because there are some issues that nato is they all work together on but what what is fascinating is their inner unity amongst each other and we found this when we were visiting NATO, and we had discussions with three diplomats discussing about three three different talks. So yeah. it was just three three different topics. So one on was in general about NATO. Correct? Yeah, in general. In general. And then the second one was on the Ukraine conflict, and the third one was the Middle Eastern North Africa region. Yeah. When we,
1: we were hearing... We didn't really get to that talk. It was an open discussion. It was an
0: open discussion. It was like half, and then half was just it was a good discussion though. it was a good discussion yeah. but anyways what we found fascinating was when we heard these three diplomats speak about nato all three of them had a different view of nato one very sees very it well, the first diplomat saw it as what did he see at
1: heart? i got this he said first speaker he was like we were discussing how they're lack. Of, you know, he we asked the question, is there a lack of unity when it comes to the Ukraine? And he says, he's like, there's basically, the, it's, it's not like one big family. We're not a big family. That's Everyone I mean. acts in self-interest based on their sovereignty. So that's what the first speaker said. The second speaker, he was a public relations guy, to be clear. Um, we're not going to name names for obvious reasons. Um, but he was a public relations guy for NATO, so obviously he's going to be treading a little bit of a line there. The second girl was a diplomat. Um, who was working on the policy between Ukraine and Russia, and and she said that Russia was surprised by the West's resolve to come to the aid of Ukraine, implying, I'm going to say Western unity, because it was NATO kind of makes up most of the West. And then the third speaker said the opposite, direct opposite of the first speaker, and it said NATO... Is like one big happy family, which is so crazy. And he is also a diplomat who has been, uh, I think, twenty twenty years as a diplomat, but not I in NATO.
0: Since
1: yeah, twenty. It's a lot of time in yeah. NATO. Um, so this this is
0: fascinating. Yeah, I, I I was particularly interested. At first, it, it didn't hit me until you were talking about it, and I was like, wait, whoa! <laughs> which is very interesting because, right in the beginning of the war. They were they were all unified. One resolved, one everything. I don't know what happened, but the national interest started to get into the way mm-hmm. of what NATO would do with Russia-Ukraine because some of these countries were dependent on Russia anyways because of oil and natural gas. Yeah. So, I understand what what the first speaker meant by there is like no unity and it's all national interest. But we went from being united to national interest, to now NATO being united again with all these programs, all these military programs that we're sending. But it's more of the United States and kind of Germany sending uh, things like HIMARS, Leopard Tanks, and now we're working on F-16s. So it's interesting to see that the, the idea of NATO unity is always a shifting definition. Yes. Which is very, very and
1: interesting. And this is, at, uh, obviously, this is a three-speaker sample. So this might not be the same. You know, it might be like, oh, NATO's more on the United side for these workers. But here, here's the thing. There's only, what, what did they say, 800 employees for NATO, you know, so civil and, and military. Somewhere around there. It was like, no, it was like 800. It was like really small. Like, not like the soldiers, like the, the, just like like the personnel. Yeah, know. It's not very big. And so, and also the difference is, is their staff, you know, they're supposed to act in the interest of NATO versus the countries are supposed to act in the interest of the country, but also of NATO. So that could be a different contrast as well. Why, you know, the public relations guy could have just been seeing it because he has to work directly with those countries. He has to ask them, you know, you know, how do we do this? You know, what, what are you going to talk about and discuss with this? And then he's going to hear those perspectives. But the other two, they work for NATO. And that's it. Like, they don't, they they work for NATO. NATO's goals are NATO's goals, not anything else.
0: I mean, they're still bound by the country. They are, yeah. And they still have to somewhat maintain interest, right? To mm-hmm. ensure that whatever they say is indeed pro-NATO, but also pro their country. Okay, so. Yeah. There's a lot of balancing when you're a NATO staff because you don't want to be just fully NATO and doing everything what NATO says because then now you're not abiding by what your national interests are into NATO. So, but again, even then, they're just, well, they were policy analysts.
1: Yeah. Uh, and the, even then, too,
0: yeah, even then, it's like they see
1: a little NATO, differently. Yeah, a
0: little differently. Even as an analyst in NATO, which is, in The integral part of NATO and providing information to member uh member countries
1: and so it's very fascinating because like those the last two basically said that NATO is together, but from what I don't know what you've read, but from what I read is that like you know NATO has like a vision and strategy on certain issues, and so one of those being Russian sanctions, others being you know in, in bringing in Sweden into NATO. And then also with a strategy towards China and the, and the Taiwan Strait and the Chinese Sea. So I'll try to see all a little bit different if you ask a different NATO country, like Hungary is going to say, you know, what do I care about this? And the US and the UK and France and Germany are going to be like, well, like this affects how much money we make and, you know, if the war is going to start. And so that, that obviously the division is not, togetherness in 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 terms of you know what the russian war did is kind of create togetherness but it's also it's, it's kind of slipping backwards now again
0: and i think you're correct right because we're seeing this too i mean like i said before it's been a lot of up and downs and not really exactly clear on what nato's and member states uh stance is but the Biden administration says that they want and will Uh, Prioritize efforts aimed to prevent member states from going astray and working with them to maintain robust support for ukraine so the united states does believe in a united nato and wants to keep nato they keep the image of nato alive they want to keep all the dialogue within nato homogenous so yeah i I mean it, it makes sense and it's important because what's nato without everyone working together, yeah absolutely. and for Ukraine to be sovereign, Ukraine is relying on us, mm-hmm. and if we can't work together within nato what's the point yeah and, and here here's where like you know coming up with things in my head at the moment um
1: then when NATO when the war first started, the United States and a bunch of other countries basically said, you know we condemn russia, but i don't really i i could be I could be very wrong i don't recall. A NATO message, if you know what I mean, like that came from the NATO headquarters. Like this is a NATO thing, not not a US or UK I thing. I
0: think you're correct, but I also remember something about Jan Stoltenberg. Jan Stoltenberg, is
1: that yeah, he the, the
0: the the head of uh, NATO. NATO? Okay, cheap, so okay. I do remember message. a message. Well, of course, because he's the head of all participants, really. I think I do recall him saying something about from the beginning where like a strong stance of like NATO is opposed to this or something along those lines. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's, you know, I, I'm going to consider that a NATO stance because he's the, you know, yeah. the NATO army um, or the NATO headquarters. So that's okay. But the the, the next thing is that they got to come up with more policy things where they, they don't have not written policy, but you know, um, where what, you would what's the word for it? Like they're just saying they they're saying you know direct. They're giving direction yeah. to like 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 a policy like like okay here's a or stance. They're giving a stance. That's the word. Oh my goodness, like a firm stance. Like we condemn China from blank. Not obviously not going to do that, but something that's firm. And they need to come out with more of those statements, which could be you know blanket statements that
0: can. Go, Unity, which can, you know, deter a lot of people. I feel like that was said by one of the speakers where it's like, I don't know if it was a second or third speaker, but they said something along the lines of, we need more written stuff. Mm. Because in NATO, is just a bunch of dialogue amongst each other. Was it the third one? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that is very important, because you would think that in NATO, they would have a lot of Written statements, written mm. policies, written reports. But really, it's just been a bunch of dialogue. Yeah. And it's like, we want to do this, we want to do that. And it's it, the stuff that comes out is concrete, right? Yeah. It, but most of the things that come out are not r- fully like, you know, this world. For example, a big hesitant on whether or not Germany was going to send or li- uh, allow the license of leopard tanks. Yeah, leopard tanks. Um, First the release that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the no, very first episode, yeah. And it's like it took a while for them to give the okay, but I don't remember being something written, right? Like yeah, a written it, address like a, to NATO saying, uh, Germany is allowing the light anyone that's carrying licenses for the leopard tanks to now send them.
1: And you out. know what can change how that direction is is like it's it, it, it'll look bad on Germany, I think what the problem with the goals is that he was like, Oh, this is going to look on Germany like Germany is attacking Russia. But if he gives it a NATO call and says, Okay, we're going to do this and everyone in NATO can send tanks, then all of a sudden they can say, Oh, okay, NATO is sending leopard tanks to Ukraine. Kinda of uniting them.
0: In a sense. That's exa- but then that's I, a- yeah, that's exactly how I was trying to piece that in my yeah. mind. Yeah. I just didn't figure out how to piece it. That's yeah. A-
1: yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, and I think another thing that NATO can do, too, is is I think they need to get their partners more involved. So when we were reading, um, we got a little pamphlet from them, and it was like it had all their partners on it, on Japan, South Korea. Don't per- no, worry, this other ones. is all un-
0: unclassified. Yeah, this is all unclassified. They they stuff. gave yeah. us two things that were unclassified.
1: Yeah. It says on the top,
0: yeah. you know, of the, the papers they gave us.
1: And so I think maybe getting them more involved and in, in maybe like right in, I don't know if there's is there written policy that they're partners or it's just like, hey What their partners? Your partner.
0: I know I'm not so sure the public diplomacy side. They're like they are our partners and they work with us. Okay. But again, I understand for classified reasons and for secrecy they don't really release a lot of like what written policy is yeah but like going back to the to the germany leopard tanks example it's like if germany approved this right and they sent a written statement to nato saying this these are our policy guidelines yeah we want you to share this with all of nato members that may house leopard tanks then a blanket statement it's all that's
1: yeah. all you need because it's policy at yep. that point it's you know not airplane like it's 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 very open but it works it's just
0: enough so it's not like where it's okay we need germany's acceptance it's more like we need nato's acceptance
1: yes yes
0: like we need nato to talk we need nato staff to talk to germany to release that it's not nato staff needing to talk to oh how do
1: the west needs to talk to germany into getting in the same thing versus nato is working with the germans too exactly
0: tanks. exactly and that's the stance and that's kind of what the stance their stance was is that nato is an a treaty organization so they need to kind of how do i say because they are a bunch of staff members right mm-hmm. and these staff members are do i want to use the word lobbying I don't know if it's... For lack of a better word, yeah, yeah. you can use it. It's like they're lobbying for these these members that are a part of NATO. Mm, Because people see NATO as, okay, 31 states? 32. 32? Mm -hmm. 32 states, military alliance. But it's more like these states are joining an organization type thing. That's how they... I think It's got a
1: headquarters. I think that should be an organization. And that's what it says in right. the end, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. But That's how the, the,
0: the, the diplomats were saying it, right? Yeah. Is that these are member states signing onto the organization because people see NATO as a defense yeah. organization. Yeah. Which, they, in, their, in their talk, that was not the case in how they viewed it. It also shifted how I thought of NATO as well.
1: Yeah, because an organization is much different than a treaty. Like, when you join a treaty... Countries have to abide by that treaty, but there's like you know there there's no there's no like headquarters, there's no annual meeting like like G, like the G20. Right, exactly. That's that's a treaty, or not even that's like, that's even a dialogue. But if you look at NATO, it's it's an organization. They have a headquarters. We've been in it. Um, they have a leader, the a director general, and then they have a um, he's the director general of the civilian side, right? the director general of everything of everything yeah staff and then they also Staffing. have the nato general you know so if you have all that the countries can't like look at it as a treaty it's much different
0: and you could like even for our viewers right you could see like the talk we're having is very difficult because we there is no clear stance
1: no no no, no, no. like
0: we're trying to piece together right now as our goal is like what NATO really isn't what it's defined as. Yeah, it's like well, well, remember the the map? It was like a little not map, but it was like um like a little tree branch of like there's the staff side and oh, there's the military yeah. side. That's what I'm thinking of every time, right? It's and weird. it's like there's the military side where military experts from these member states partake in, mm-hmm. right? But then you also have your staff side, which is uh, just a bunch of analysts and people who work at NATO but are not really a part of a member state So I
1: just came up with an idea in my head. Do you remember how I don't know which one it was, but the guy one of them said that NATO doesn't have an army. Right. It's, you know, the elites of their countries. What if that changed? And you send a certain amount there's there's one NATO military base, just one, somewhere in Europe and you send I you mean, know, we do
0: have. There's NATO bases that exist. There's NATO air bases. Well, like a
1: headquarters, like a military right. headquarters, where they send in a certain amount of troops from each of them, and it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to exceed more than like hundred per you know country. You probably wouldn't even exceed a hundred per country, and you send them over, and, and and they staff the base and they work as an army
0: for NATO. So they would have a NATO patch, not a patch of the country. Yes. And that that change really changes what NATO is. Yeah, it
1: changes the unity side of it, and they don't have to be like a uh, you know if the, the country goes you know if NATO goes to war with somebody they're not going to be the first responders obviously that's that shouldn't be the case but the fact is if you send military soldiers to a headquarters to work with other militaries on policy you create a more sense of unity in in that case especially on the on the armed front
0: that is pretty good hot take
1: yeah because i'm trying
0: to think of it right you have a nato right a nato soldier with a nato patch on it yeah they go to war just like with the u.n that's what i'm trying to think of is the peacekeepers right well that's what that could be their job that that's what i'm thinking right keeper but it's like why do we need u.n peacekeepers anyways? Well obviously NATO peacekeepers would be able
1: to do much they would more, be able much, to do much, much more
0: than u n peacekeepers would and u n peacekeepers would be more globalized right for more global yeah. responses versus NATO, which is north Atlantic treaty Organization mm-hmm. and they said well, what they did agree on unity wise is that NATO does not look to expand to other countries that are outside of north outside of the North Atlantic area yeah. which is United States and Europe so I'm thinking that these nato soldiers, right, would essentially be the peacekeepers of Europe. So you're, let's hypothetically
1: look at this. You're in North Africa. You know, Egypt in civil war. This is a threat towards NATO. They're right there. NATO sends in, let's say the headquarters is 20,000 troops sent from all three two places. NATO tends in 5,000 troops, probably less, so it doesn't look like it's a war. Sends in 2,000 troops and says, you know, sold, like armor and everything. And then you NATO know, diplomats on the civilian side, and they they stop the fighting when they come down and start negotiations. Um, the difference is that they can actively work with this, whichever side they think is starting the problem. You know, let's say there's a, you know, there's a civil war and one side is trying to throw a coup. Right, you know, and we want that Egyptian government to be in power. We send our soldiers, you know, trying to do diplomatic stuff, but we can use our forces to stop the coup. Right.
0: A little it, different from I mean, the UN. much more different much from different, what yeah. the peacekeepers can do
1: because they're peacekeepers, but they also use offense to create peace. Yes, yeah. very sense. rarely. Very rarely, but you, you know, I, I wouldn't go like more than using like special forces, you know, to yeah. you know cut heads off snakes and whatever. It's so interesting.
0: Big hot take, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah,
1: would be hard? Because then you'd have to convince them that they're like you. You'd have to have many different people, many different backgrounds, willing to cooperate. And you know what? A lot of people view the U.S. as like, oh, they're the, the guys with the big guns and the big balls, and they're gonna be the guys that are on base causing crazy havoc and yada 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 okay which is a little true but <laughs> besides the point um you have you know a little bit of a hierarchy you know United States stands top UK or sorry Germany UK France Canada right on a list but I mean it can create a sense of unity on the base
0: yeah
1: I think it's cool I think it could work in, in, in not in the near future but in the future and it could give to them solve
0: that unity problem at
1: least it but. can give them like as look we're in North Africa as NATO missions, but not NATO soldiers. What if NATO soldiers went to North, you know, North Africa? Mm-hmm. That changes the direction. This isn't just the U.S.
0: UK thing. This is a NATO thing. But then it's like, who's the sponsoring country? Who is? That doesn't have to be. What it's entity NATO. is? Then it, NATO becomes what entity then? If they have a military, what? It's just...
1: They're still an organization.
0: I'm just trying to think, right? Let's say you have country A, B, and C, right? This goes to... This is going to go into the Article 5 question. Oh, okay. So it's like country A, B, and C. They send their troops, right? You have a country A troop, country B troop, country C troop. Mm -hmm. They go into this organization. Now they become NATO force. Yeah. And it's like, okay, these these troops go to war with country D, and D retaliates. Who is D attacking? A, Native. B, and C.
1: Oh, okay. I I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So yes, yes, in a, in essence, but at the same time, not really, because it's like not really. But here here's the thing: if we have a NATO force to respond to an issue, you know. If we're actively sending troops into a war zone, which we are, we actively send troops into North Africa. But if those troops kill U.S. soldiers, it's not a war on NATO.
0: Ah, I see. Now
1: you send NATO troops down there. Mm -hmm. NATO is essentially, you're attacking NATO, but they're just, NATO already decided to go in. So now they're troops. They're NATO troops. It's not like if they kill those people, they're going to come attack people in NATO. But here's the other thing: you're also you shouldn't be obliged. You don't have to be obliged to send those troops. Mm-hmm. It could be up to you. But just creating the headquarters is it like like this is a dialogue where all soldiers from all NATO countries can come and send their troops at any amount they want, exceeding you know not exceeding two. You know
0: what it's like? It's like PMCs. That's I what just, it, that is. Is essentially what it comes down to. Yeah, sort of. But instead of private military contractors, your PMCs are technically the NATO. people. Yeah. It's like you're not attacking country, you're attacking that. NATO. Yeah. Okay. So, you know. You're attacking the technically the PMCs or like the.
1: So, the, the yeah, the difference is, is like if you kill a NATO troop, it's not a war on NATO. But if you invade a NATO country, that's a war on NATO. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Because we're sending in troops to the place. Versus them sending troops into our place, you know, if Russia invades NATO, that's a war. Right. Now, okay, here's the other thing: if, if we sent NATO troops into Russia and they killed a NATO troop, that's a war on NATO. But that's a different thing. <laughs> that, that's a little different because it's. Uh, it'd be first off, we'd be very stupid to send troops in, and the second off, Russia would declare war anyway. Yeah, even if we did, didn't kill them. Yep. But like in the curtain in Ethiopia, for example, there's a NATO NATO missions in Ethiopia. You know, if we send the troops in, they're NATO troops and the NATO troop dies, it's not a war on NATO, we send the troops in. Yeah. But if by the far chance that Ethiopia decided to, you know, wage war on then be- then that's an act of war against NATO.
0: Right. But it's a little bit so bigger. it's almost like having the EU militarily organized is what it essentially boils down to mm-hmm, mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. that's that's what the entire concept with
1: canada and and the the um, united states involved in it yeah yeah it, i mean it, it could really kind of give it a sense of direction and also it also doesn't it also gives the ability to keep the country's you know so not sovereign hand oh well, It gives them the ability to make decisions. They don't have to send the troops to those headquarters, right? But they can, and they can create a friend like a partnership. In terms of it, already is, but they can create a better one, it's a relationship.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, it all comes down to addressing the unity within NATO. That's yeah. all it is.
1: It is. That's yeah. all it is. And that's one way to do it. Um. Definitely a difficult one. No, It is very, about
0: it. very difficult.
1: But it, it, it could work. But the other thing, the, the easy one is the blanket statement. You know, NATO says this, NATO says that, yada, 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 yada. And I'm sure they do that, but I'm sorry, a tweet or an Instagram post is not enough. Is not a message. It just isn't. I'm sorry. Like, if I saw Putin put a tweet, I'm invading Ukraine, I'm just going to sit there and be like, ah, Like you're stupid. But if he comes on air and he does it on the newswipe and he said when he said they were invading Ukraine, that's when I take it seriously. I don't take that kind of tweets or quotes seriously. You know, that's not a NATO stance. NATO stance is when someone who represents NATO gets in front of um the news sources and says something
0: in the name of NATO. So
1: that's what I think. You finding their Instagram?
0: No, I'm just like I'm on NATO's website right yeah. now, just just trying to figure out like what I'm trying to look for is like you know how you go onto the UN website, you go to the digital library, and you just see like everything working resolu- working group resolution, draft resolution, yeah, resolutions, um, and like they're they're actual like clear the policies. It's policy, yeah, yeah. and it's like it's on the nato website and it's just like you go to the newsroom section and it's just news media advisories press office contacts media accreditation speeches and transcripts nothing, nothing like is. just like resolution 1-27 i don't know whatever it is right it's not either i'm missing something or that's just what nato just really needs it just needs like they do they do what they do they just need to make it like it's the concrete. same thing with it's the same thing with the united nations right you have self interests that still affect global policy but at the end of the day there's still a united nations, nations statement yeah solution resolution that all countries still have to yeah, abide by like like when you get
1: when, when something comes out it is a this is a resolution made by the parties to the treaty to made by the parties of unesco under the united nations correct that is unity whether or not anything got done,
0: it's, is still different. it's still
1: a United Nations message, right? That changes it versus like you know, U.S. a party of NATO says like that's not the same as NATO
0: Sent says this. Blank. Yeah, leave it up to a vote at the end of the day. Whether you agree or not, like look at the SCGs, right? Yeah, SCG twenty thirties. Some countries may not have agreed with it, abstained. Accepted. At the end of the day, global policy says all countries need to adopt or get these close are the to,
1: guidelines of the UN.
0: Yep. These are the SDG gui- these are the SDG guidelines. Yeah. Work towards them. With
1: the UN stamp right on the exactly. page. Exactly. That's important, you know, because like it could say S D G. But without that UN stamp, you know, it's just like whatever. Who cares? But when you when you put the UN stamp on it, no matter what you think of the UN, it holds weight because if if the U.S. is abiding by it, if if the Russians are abiding by it, if the Chinese are abiding by it, somebody's going to abide by it. At the end of the day.
0: Like, so. hold on. Like for example, they have a thing called in NATO. There's this thing called the Parliamentary Assembly Science and Technology Committee, yeah. right? And just, i will just—I just picked one random one from 2018. It says resolution on safeguarding elections in within the alliance, and it's like it's the same thing. Like it looks like just like a UN resolution, right? But it's like I don't know. It just doesn't look the same or feel the same as a UN resolution.
1: And they have committees. I mean, we all know that in yeah. an organization—they have to have committees. But like at the end of the day, what came out with that policy? Like when that. Started Did NATO post something somewhere that said NATO, under this committee, made a resolution that was abided by, you know, this many parties, abstained by this, you know, this and that. NATO, okay, that's a good, here here's a different situation. Maybe NATO just doesn't have a good, and hopefully the speaker doesn't hear this, public relations department and a press department that we do see this. Image and so we get the wrong image of NATO because yes, they have committees and they come up with resolutions, you know, that's obvious, but we don't see it often, you know. I mean, even at the end end of the day, right?
0: Two things, right? I think the public relations department are just very careful mm -hmm. on what they say about NATO because they don't want people to have the wrong image of NATO. But and secondly, these NATO resolutions that come out, it's still you still question whether. It's abided by everybody. Yeah, exactly. They can have a resolution, but is it like the UN where it's like, Resolution 478 says this, this, and this, and you cannot do it because it's international law, Mm -hmm. right? Now, I'm not saying NATO creates international law, but the laws that create govern what NATO countries do. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like let's like look I'm I'm looking at a like a a random resolution that came from a NATO parliamentary thing. Yeah. And it says like what what is this? Security and cooperations in the high north. Alarmed by the speed of climate change in the Arctic regions, mindful of growing geostrategic importance of the Arctic. And it's two pages, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One is just like what they're calling what what they're calling out, and the second page is Things like to bolster NATO's enhanced situational awareness to greater expertise in Arctic region. It's like, are member states the ones responsible to, are they nationally, right, Mm -hmm. have to be responsible for abiding by these? Is this a NATO thing where it's like, okay, NATO as a whole... Has to abide by you. You, you get what it's, I'm trying to confused, say. Yeah. You're you're just confused because again, it goes back to the unity thing. You don't know what NATO is doing generally. You know what I'm, yeah. Because with it, the UN, it's clear. You're it's like UN goal. This is a United Nations goal. Is there a NATO goal? Is what I'm trying to. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I don't. This
1: I, don't with. I don't think there is a NATO goal or a NATO direction really. And if there is, it's, it's not. We don't know. We can't
0: find it. I mean, technically, our NATO goal is to support Ukraine, but with. But, like, do all NATO countries send things into Ukraine? Because you would think everyone that's in NATO would agree on all of the same things. Yeah. Like, in the UN, not everyone agrees with what goes on with Resolution A. But if it gets passed. But if it gets passed, it's still the United Nations, all of the world. Yeah, is saying that yes, there's agreements and disagreements, but we believe that the majority says this, and and and
1: most everyone will follow that policy because of the weight it holds. But if you don't have that weight, you know, you can write a policy
0: out, but if because they just brush it off, they're like, oh well, if we don't agree with it, oh well, yeah, I mean, that's what really that's that's technically what happens in NATO. I mean, let's look at the Turkey example, right, where they block try to block Finland and Sweden's. Entrance into NATO, right? It, it's the same thing where it's like, if one disagree, like all of NATO wanted Sweden and Finland to come in, but all it took was one Turkey to not let them in. Mm-hmm. Versus if we were to do this United Nations wise, one member state would not be enough to... i sure the Security Council. Unless you're in the Security Council. But let's say it was up a, up to a General Assembly resolution. Yeah. If all member states in the general assembly resolution except for one or two say no, the entire world, the majority of the world says except Sweden and Finland. Yeah. But with one Turkey is enough to say that NATO does not want Sweden and Finland. Because that's what the image is at the end of the day. If Sweden and Finland do not enter NATO, that's saying that something, somewhere, someone on the inside is saying no. Yeah. But even though the majority, even though NATO's image... And NATO's statement was, "We want Sweden and Finland." Do you oh, get what I'm
1: saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, the, the image is different, but if one says no, yeah, yeah, so
0: that, yeah. that's what I'm trying to conclude off here. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to get out.
1: I agree with that. That one's you know this is this is a roller coaster of one, but you're right. I mean there there is there, there's no lack there's a lack of a clear vision a clear goal and a clear understanding of what nato really does and what it is and so you know we know what they were supposed what their their goal is is to security alliance to protect the north atlantic which originally was made to you know go against the warsaw pact and so this military alliance is now basically to, to contain russia but that's it I mean, they're working on things like climate policy. They're working on things like cyber policy. But why isn't that clear what NATO goals are in those regards? Like, someone says one thing, but then, like, Turkey will be like, oh, whatever. Or, or like, the UK will be like, no, that's not and what And that ruins
0: the image of NATO, even though the majority of NATO is saying, yeah. we want this, but... All it takes is one vote and it's like NATO does not want to. Because
1: technically, like, it's not, like, yes, it's democratic, but it's not democratic, if you know what I mean. Because, like, in the UN, right. when they create a resolution, if 13 people don't agree with it, it doesn't matter. That is a UN resolution. But if one person doesn't agree with it in NATO, the resolution's done. That's it's exactly gone. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yep. And as gone. like,
0: how is there unity if there's that power?
1: Yes, yes, yes. And that's, that's a Security Council problem, which we will do an episode on that in the future. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's that's all I got to say.
0: That was roller coaster. That was wild. Yeah, I've never thought of something so in depth. <laughs> it's all. It's just. It's just like three different speakers and all three different views, mm-hmm. and it's like, whoa, hold on. Yeah, you're telling me that even within NATO, you have a direction, but there's no unity. Like, come on.
1: it's like it's funny. It's like one person you can say oh this is how it is and then the second person comes in and it's like oh okay yes to have contrasting views but you know it could just be like a one a slip of you know it could just be a very small thing but then a third person says something different and you go okay this is a pattern now you know there's a difference right you know once once you get to three people you know you get three different perspectives i think that's a pattern in my opinion yep so Anyways. Need a breathe after that one. Yeah, right. Um Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We're we're so excited to get, you know, season two started off and please, you know, keep listening to our episodes. Keep following us. The website's gonna be up very shortly, hopefully. Hopefully. And so. then we're going to utilize our social medias to the umpth degree so that you guys can really see what we're trying to do here and and, and really get and it. And
0: also connect with us too.
1: Yeah, please. Yeah because we want to really give you guys every unbiased news that you can get um, so that you can understand the world better.
0: Yep. So thank you for listening to this week's topic of the week, and we will see you in the next episode.